Hello and welcome to Non-Breaking Space, which you can find online at nonbreakingspace.tv. Non-Breaking Space is a show where we'll seek out the best, brightest, and smartest people on the web and talk to them about how and why they do what they do. Your hosts are Christopher Schmidt and Dave McFarlane, two web designers, authors, and trainers who have a passion for sharing knowledge about the web. I'm Chris from Canada, a web designer and podcaster Christopher and Dave have invited along to help push the record button and keep everyone on track here on Non-Breaking Space. Our guest for this episode is Christina Halverson. Christina lives in St. Paul, Minnesota with her two young children, whom she often quotes on Twitter. She's the founder and CEO of Brain Traffic, a world-renowned content strategy consultancy. She's also the author of Content Strategy for the Web, recently out in its second edition, and is the founder of CONFAB, the Content Strategy Conference. Christina is widely recognized as the industry's leading advocate for content strategy. In 2009, she curated the first Content Strategy Consortium to facilitate a national dialogue about this emerging discipline. Today, Christina speaks regularly to audiences around the world and is well known for her energetic, often humorous talks. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Christopher and Dave and the conversation with Christina. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Um, just wanna, just a little show note off the bat is that uh, Dave uh, can't join us today. He's got uh, a little scheduling conflict, but uh, rest assured he's out there saving the world from bad websites. Uh, and joining to me uh, today is uh, Ari Styles. Hello. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, my partner in crime at uh, Environments for Humans, where we do uh, like a ton of conferences. Right? Yes, many. Right. So, uh, so people who might not know, uh, what's your background? Oh, sure, sure. I uh, used to be an education webmaster back in the day, and uh, then I went to work for South by Southwest, uh, working on, on uh, logistics and graphic design there, and putting on uh, what, uh, for anybody who's ever been to South by Southwest knows, is a gigantic uh, conference. Oh, yes. Yes. And uh, and I was very pleased to uh, make the transition to work with Christopher on much smaller conferences <laughs> Uh, where I actually get to meet everyone that attends mm-hmm. and uh, talk to them about their wants and needs and mm-hmm. what their lives and their jobs are like. So I'm right. very excited to uh, be able to do that. Right. I think one of the interesting things when we, when we first met was like, you know, you were telling me you're the cart designer for the interactive stuff, is that uh, I'm not sure they still do this for the interactive publication, but they have everyone's mugshot who's speaking. Yes. So you have this fascination, you have this weird thing where you, you sort of know web celebrity speakers right you stare at somebody's <laughs> headshot for long enough and they become familiar to you even though you've never met them so i remember the very first south by that i went to um it was very small i mm. should say the first um, uh, well the first one i went to was in 2001 mm. but the first one in uh 2003 that i'd actually done the graphic design for mm. i had stared at everyone's mugshot and i every other person i ran into the hall this is back when south by was very small Oh, I had this feeling of familiarity that, wow, uh, I, I think I know everyone here. And then I realized, oh, it was the mugshot issue that I had been staring at everyone's, uh, you know, and uh, fooling around with each picture and, and uh, making the resolution work for the print publication. And I think just um, from that, it was very disconcerting for that first year that I did it. And then I just kind of realized, you know, I don't necessarily know everyone here and that's okay. <laughs> But you can pick him out of a mugshot now. That's right. Please yeah, line up right exactly. now. So okay, cool. Well, it's, it's so it's so South by was 
you've been working with them since you know, you're working with them since when? I worked with them from 2003 through 2009, mm-hmm. um, starting first just doing the graphic design work and then moving on into advisory board mm-hmm. and then uh, becoming a full-fledged staff member, uh, working on logistics, which, again, because it's a huge conference, there are so many logistical issues right. that they need a lot of people to work on that. Right. So. Yeah. So and so I was you know so the web's grown a lot since then. Yes. Right. It's in South by had like twenty thousand people for interactive. Right. So, so South by Southwest does definitely mirror the web's growth in right. that yeah. regard. And one of the things that's, that's kind of grown up is like you, you see these emerging uh, disciplines and a lot of special yes. you know, things happening. And so and uh, one of them is uh, is uh, content strategy. So I'm really happy to have our guest for today, uh, Christina Halverson. Christina, you there? Hello. Yes. Hey. Hi. Hi. Uh, Glad to have you here. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a joke for Ari where it's just like, <laughs> do I know you? But I, <laughs> but I can't. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I often get the inverse thing of like people kind of know me from me checking them in at South by for a few years too as speakers and they can't quite place me. Mm-hmm. And so that's always an interesting conversation too. And a lot of the times it turns out that I'm the person who checked them in in 2007 or something like that. Well, if you actually try to remember people from South by Southwest, you're doing yeah. it wrong. Yeah, so, that's, true. That's, that's true. That's true. So, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Ari, you could say, I either checked you in at South by Southwest <laughs> or I or I made out with you when I was drunk at the Adobe <laughs> party. No, One or the other. Fun, right. I don't, right. Yeah. And my fun answer would be, yeah, I'm actually in Austin law enforcement. And <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm trying to place you as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, so Christina, uh, can you just tell us a little about your, about yourself? How you got into the web scene and and um, and what you do now? So, and, yes. and how that and how that transferred to what you do now? So, sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. I uh, well, you know, where to begin? I'm so old <laughs> now that there's just like 20 years of history to pick from here. Um, I, I guess that I got into the web scene in about, well, I wrote for my first website in like 1998 for the organization that I was working for at the time, mm-hmm. uh, moved on to another company, sort of rewrote their website. I've never liked bad writing. I've always been the person that's like, you can't send that out. Give me that. And then I edit it whether or not it's my job. Um, and so in 2002, I decided to go out on my own as a freelance copywriter and to um, specialize in writing for the web. Uh, and in, that went very well in 2005, I hired my first employee. Um, and then in the, in the, let's see, in December of 2007, an article came out by Rachel Lovinger called uh, Content Strategy, the Philosophy of Data on Boxes and Arrows. And I read that and I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not just writing for websites. Like that's not all we're doing. We're also, you know, pushing into these strategy meetings and trying to have conversations with people earlier and earlier because filling in the wireframes sucks and doesn't work. So I got real excited about content strategy and I was like, I'm going to learn everything there is to know about this. And I entered it into Google and there were like 8,000 results and 7,500 of them were not relevant. Um, (laughs) So I basically decided I was going to... um, try to figure out where other people were that were doing this. I found 20 of them total. Uh, and uh, we all decided to kind of gather together at the IA Summit in 2009 to hold uh, what we called the Content Strategy Consortium. And that was pretty funny because it was a little bit like, um, 
I don't know, none of us had ever been in a room with other content strategists before. So we just sort of sat there staring at each other like, you are of my kind. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like being an alien and suddenly discovering there are more of you. Um, <laughs> and, and so that was like a, that was a, that was a big deal. That was sort of a turning point. I mean, a lot of people who are out on the speaking service and who are writing books now were there. Uh, Margot Bloomstein, Colleen Jones, Karen McGrain, Rachel Lovinger was there. Um, some of the folks who have, have uh, um, sort of, you know, people who have really started and are leading meetups all over the country. And so it was a really important gathering. And in the in the meantime, I had been talking to so many smart people about this. I was like, I might as well write a book while I'm at it. So I did. We wrote. I wrote content strategy for the web, that came out in August of 2009, I guess. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. It has not been that long. Um, and so, uh, and then I started doing a lot of speaking, and and it was pretty interesting. And I don't know how many people remember this, but in 2008. Like at UX conferences, nobody was talking about content. There wasn't a single presentation on content at any of these conferences. Like every once in a while you would see one about web writing, but that was it. And now, you know, these conferences are just like lousy with content strategists and a list apart has, you know, an entire, like they have content strategy articles every month, it seems like. Um so it's just, it's been really, really, really exciting to see how sort of that initial research and hard work and advocacy that I've shared with a lot of people has sort of like taken off. And I think last time I Googled content strategy, there were like well over 2 million results. So it's really caught fire. Um, so that's kind of, and now we're, and now brain traffic, we're just around 20 people. We do large content strategy projects for big, exciting companies and that's and that's how I got into content strategy. Also, I have a theater major from a small liberal arts college. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I think you just stepped over, like you just glossed over uh, the theater major part. Yeah, of I know. So. You know it's really <laughs> you know it's really funny though. A, there are actually many secret theater majors among content strategists, which I'm sure that people who are like, there is no such thing as content strategy would be like, see, they're just making it up as though it were a big <laughs> So we're just one big script, you know. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. But and they're all it's, collusion, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh -huh. They all uh -huh. they all meet secretly and have sing-alongs to Broadway's tunes from Carousel or whatever. That's right. Um, it's like skull and bones, but no. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for theater major content strategists, right. what? Wait. Um, <laughs> But it's been pretty funny because, you know, my parents were just horrified that this is what I had chosen to major in. They were like, you're going to grow up and be an English teacher. But now, of course, I get to, with all, I do just tons of public speaking. And so now I'm just like, ah, it paid off. <laughs> right, right. Well, do you run into a lot of people that just don't understand what you do? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's uh, that I think has been a little bit of a of a struggle for people to really be able to articulate, no, I'm not an editor. No, I don't, you know, I'm not like a content management person. I don't know. I'm not a web designer. I mean, that's when I first talk to people about what brain traffic does, you know, I say the words content. I say the words, things like, like workflow within an organization. And they're like, so do you, so you design the website, right? I mean, it, it, and that has been, 
a really interesting thing to sort of push back against is that I think that people have thought of the web for so long primarily as like design and technology because the content is just like a given, right? It just magically right. appears and magically takes care of itself. Um, right. And so talking about the web, you know, from the perspective of like content is sort of central to the user experience, people are just like, what? Although nobody would argue with you, right? If you talked about it. Well, like one of the things we um, like was researching for this podcast was like uh, one of the things I think you you said was like you need to, you need to treat your content like a business critical asset, sure. and I think that that is just a a great you know way of just capitalizing you know capitalizing about something that encapsulates yes. yes. Uh, I'm not I'm not the uh, word major whatsoever, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So it's it, like you want you want to treat your uh, your content like a business critical asset, and I think that's you know I think it's very important because. Um, even back in the early days of the web, uh, you know, I was uh, you know, David Siegel, if anyone remembers, but he wrote a book called uh, Secrets of Successful Websites or Secrets of Successful Sites Without the Web in it. But um, and his um, and he was he held a little like book launch party, and he's like, "How many people, you know, what is your biggest pain point in developing webs?" And this is way back websites back in the day, and everyone raised their hand uh, when he mentioned uh, getting content from clients. You know, that was like the biggest pain point. So, oh, like sure. You, oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's if you go back to, I think it's, um, oh, God, is it Web Project Management 2.0 or something by Kelly Goto? Um, there is literally in their chapter about content, the main message is the content is going to be late. The content is going to be a problem. <laughs> so, just plan for that and charge for it and just <laughs> expect it. And I was just like, that's not acceptable. <laughs> like there are <laughs> solutions to this. You can't just tell people, oh yeah, this is, there's no fix to this or just plan for it. Um, you know, there are ways to, to plan for it. And I mean, that is when you get into implementation um, of the content strategy, that becomes content planning and content execution and, you know, designing and implementing workflow and things like that. So there are fixes to it, but Frankly, your clients aren't set up to treat content like a product, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, again, they're just like, oh, we'll take care of it. We have plenty of content. But they don't have a workflow. They don't have anybody who owns it. They, the people they're asking for the content is like that's on top of their regular jobs. And they don't mm-hmm. have the kinds of documentation that they need to be able to deliver this. They don't, you know, you, they, get a, they get a list of what they're supposed to write. And so they pull out a Word document and that's what they do. Or they're given a wireframe to map it to. And they don't know what a wireframe is. I mean, this is all stuff that I experienced when I first started writing for websites when I was working with agencies. And I think that that's a lot of the work that I did initially in content strategy. You know, I was, I thought I was making all this stuff up and it was mostly just putting together tools that were going to save my ass in the 11th hour. Then I found out other people were making up the same thing. So that was exciting too. Yeah. That's always a lovely light bulb when, uh, you run into other people that have the same little obsessions that you do, and I, I mean yep. that in the best way possible. <laughs> well, that's exactly that's exactly what we experienced at that content strategy consortium, you know, yeah, where we were all just like, "Oh, you you live and breathe this stuff too. Great, let's let's go have bourbon." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's see if we can try to define like have a not define content strategy, but like maybe just have a definition and see if that works. 
uh, and then build off of that. So uh, would you say like content strategy is the, um, and I'm actually quoting you, so I hope this is works. But uh, So you're going to ask me if I agree with my own quote? Is that what you're about <laughs> yes. to do? Yes, but, but there's, a little, there's a little twist to it. It's we're actually, doing the baseline. Yeah, we're doing the baseline, but there's actually a twist to it. It's actually, uh, let me give the definition, because uh, this is back in 2009 is when, when this was uh, uh, said. It was like, content strategy is the practice of planning for the creation, delivery, and governance of useful, usable content. Is that, you know, is that, I mean, that's a really nice... Nice uh, little sweet. And so book. since the definition is from 2009, yeah. have you modified that in any way or is it? in your yeah, mind? We, yeah, we did modify that. I The second edition of Content Strategy for the Web just came out in March. And I actually pulled in um, Brain Traffic's Vice President of Content Strategy, Melissa Rock, to help me co-author it. She acted as a technical editor in the first book. And it was just more appropriate that she was recognized in this as the, as the co-author so that she could really take more ownership of it. And the reason for that is that you know, she's been leading this team of content strategists internally while I have been out banging the big drums about this topic for the past two and a half years. And, you know, one of the things that we have sort of recognized from the work that she's been leading and the work that obviously our uh, team has been evolving, which happens, you know, at lightning pace, um, is that you know, there's all this argument about like what is strategy and what is tactic and what is goal and what is objective. And I mean, the dictionary definition is that strategy is a plan to reach a goal, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about, and that is exactly where I kind of pulled the planning piece from. But when you are talking about sort of, and I believe that at the project level, that is still a very accurate uh, description. I st I right. do believe that. I think that when you start getting into sort of like larger enterprise level content strategy, you've got to look at it more as um, as a guide, as like your strategy is your lighthouse, just like a marketing strategy, just like a business strategy. You know, that is the lighthouse that guides you through working towards. Uh, implementation of all your tactical efforts. So we talk about that a little bit more in, in depth in the book rather than saying, here's the definition. But I, to this day, and I always will, it's, you know, a lot of the audiences that I speak to are mm -hmm. just like, what do you mean content matters? And what is this thing called <laughs> content strategy? And, you know, I, I mean, it's true. And that is when you live and breathe this stuff, you forget that that's like 98% of the world, right? And mm -hmm. so I still use that really simple definition because it helps people get their brains wrapped around it really quickly. But when you look into the more complex work that different individuals and teams are are running with across, you know, the practice, you, it can get a little stickier and hairier. But I will also say, I think that it is, I'm going to, I think that a big part of why content strategy has taken off is because we were able to find a common, easy to understand shared language so that we could start talking to people outside of our own little content clicks about mm -hmm. what it was and why it was matter and why it matters. And that is why I still use that definition all the time. Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I think all those steps um, fall in just about any, in the evolution of just about any discipline. So that makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. Yeah, it well, exactly. And in fact, we talk all the time, or I guess I talk all the time about how we are totally tracking with where user experience was 12 years ago or where IA was 10 years ago. I mean, it's the same journey. And actually, I have talked to uh, Lou Rosenfeld, who wrote Information Architecture for the World Wide Web, the Polar Bear book, um, <laughs> several times, right, several times about, 
okay, tell me what you think held back the evolution. Tell me what you think you guys are still struggling with, you know, and have sort of worked in my own work anyway to nip that stuff in the bud if I see it evolving or really trying to focus on the things that he has said, you know, go in this direction, be more constructive here. So, so what things have you have you've nipped in the bud, I guess? Like what things have you Well, this pop, is, pop I mean, not like I'm lording over the content strategy community. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you shall not speak of this again. I just mean this stuff, you know, the workshops that I've had, the writing that I've done, the things that I've sort of chosen to, I mean, you know, I've got, I have... I have people, but I have an audience, right? And so I do have sort of this ability to shine the spotlight on certain topics or people or books or whatever. And I just, the whole like nitty gritty, what does this mean? And you guys don't, you're talking about content strategy in the wrong way. And this is really what content strategy is, or we've been doing this for 15 years. I don't know why this is such a big deal all of a sudden. All of that, like that conversation is not constructive. That is not helping anybody get the work done. And so I ignore it. <laughs> yeah. That works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. Mm. Actually, <laughs> I do, I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, I don't point whatever audience I have from my work <laughs> to <laughs> those conversations. I would much rather shine the spotlight <laughs> on the two <laughs> articles that appeared in a list apart recently by Rachel Levenger. I would rather, you know, I don't <laughs> know yeah. if I if I see somebody who's really cranking out a bunch of great blog posts, I'd rather talk to them about introducing them to a publisher for a book. Right. So, yeah. right. And I try and to usually, I I talk about that as like using my powers for good. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, it's also I I would say that it's usually easier to point to some what something is it's a much smaller list than what something isn't because oh, that you know. is very, very, very insightful and very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and just to help clarify, like, just, I guess, more. but, uh, so when we talk about content, you know, um, you know, it's not just text. It's not just, you know, it's not just text, you know, it's, it's other things. It's like the, the image, is it the, uh, and is it the brand uh, of, of a of a company or organization, like what can it what can, what can content be, and what it you know, and, and that's a kind of a vague open question, but um, just just for their audience, like what type of things can a content strategist cover in terms of you know, when they go through their work? Yeah, well, I think that that's those are um, great questions. I think that they're they're also kind of two individual questions. So let me tackle mm-hmm. the what is content first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I. Uh, I have not – I'm going to point you to what a couple of other people have have talked about. And, I mean, we do cover this in the book a little bit. But Erin Kassain has a couple of just brilliant posts about her perception of content and what that is. And, you know, that content lives inside containers and those containers are web pages or web modules or – applications or, you know, whatever is carrying content, whatever is making the content go. Um, and yeah, that can be all of the pieces that of information or assets that people come online looking for and to use. So yes, absolutely. Um, images and, and, uh, data and, um, the, you know, textual content obviously and video and audio and all of those things. There is further conversation about whether or not content includes, um, I guess we, um, uh, we have called sometimes in internally, we've called them content felicit- facilitators or things that make the content go, which might be the backend metadata. Um, it might be interface copy for task-based um, 
processes. I don't know. I, I don't like lumping those two things into the same bucket. And I don't know necessarily if I would consider them um, content from a, from, I, I don't know. The thing is that content strategists can work with all of that stuff, right? Like, I mean, a content strategist can go in and help inventory and audit uh, content that exists in software as a service online, for example. A content strategist is going to get their hands dirty um, with metadata schemas and attributes and identifying how to structure content in a way that it can be portable across multi-channels and multi-devices, uh, multiple devices. So there are so many different ways in which content strategists can work with and focus on content that uh, that it is, it's a wide, it's a bigger bucket, I think, than some people might be comfortable with. I will also say I, I like, I like Joe Gullner as sort of like the content philosopher. Um, he writes these gigantic, like 5,000 word blog posts. He's awesome. But one of the ways that he, um, he defines content is data with the potential to become information. I just totally like bastardized that quote. Um, <laughs> but you, or maybe he defines information as da I, data with the potential to become knowledge. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but he, he has a lot of really interesting insights about what content is and how we use it and how it can be, how it can act as a business asset. Right. So it's like uh, content is, is static until it comes uh, it comes together and becomes actionable for the uh, for the visitor. yeah before yeah that it requires context that it has to be findable like it's yeah. and unless you know if it's just sitting it's like a file if it's just sitting in a in a file in a box of papers or let's I mean take it as as that it's not anything it's just a bunch of papers but once you get it and process it and put it to use and have context and and it has application then it becomes something that is valuable. That's getting, and, uh, a little, that's getting a little esoteric for me. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Wow, we're up in the clouds. Dude, here. I was just feeling comfortable in this esotericness. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, and um, one thing I do want to talk about is uh, the govern part of it and the governance. And I, I see that coming up, um, especially in higher ed. We do a lot of higher ed um, uh, work with people, and, and I'm trying to do that. And the, and, uh, the web governance is a big issue because you have a, a lot of, in, in, in their context, it's a, uh, you know, you have a university websites, you have uh, colleges websites, and you have a lot of people who want the football, but no one knows what to do with the football when they get it, sort of thing. And yep. so you get this. So is that sort of the same thing as governance or or content strategy? Is, is oh that, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. One of the things that, what in my mind, one of the real powers of content strategy, and one of the things that makes it so central and and um, critical within any organization that deals with content, which is any organization, is that it really does the job of of creating of bridging content as a product, which we talk about with regard to the substance of it, what is it and the structure, you know, how are we organizing it, making it findable, usable, manageable, et cetera. It links those two things with, workflow, how is content moving throughout an organization and what are the tools we're using to make it go, and governance, which is how are we taking care of content over time, 
who is empowered to make decisions about the content, um, what are the standards and guidelines and policies by which we guide and make decisions about our content and our uh, content strategy. And I, by the way, that that particular definition of governance is totally ripped off from Lisa Welchman and the work she's done in web governance, which the, con- <laughs> the content strategy community loves her. Um, but anyway, it links those two things together. And so you're absolutely right. Higher ed what they do is content. That's what they do. They create content. They transfer knowledge. They, you know, they, I mean, there's a lot of it and everybody is, everybody owns it. Everybody is emotional about it. Everyone (laughs) believes that their work is the is more important than everyone's work. You know, that is just the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. So when you have all that stuff, but you have no one who is providing any sort of, or any kind of governance team who is providing sort of oversight and is empowered to make choices about the larger content ecosystem. It just is a, it's like the wild, wild west of content. And I, government is another perfect example of where that happens. So we actually, um, Confab, our, the Brain Traffic's Content Strategy Conference is coming up in, uh, in May, and we actually have um, a presentation on a smaller organization, the Normandale Community College here in the Twin Cities, who they might be smaller, but they still have the exact same problems. And they actually put together, they successfully were able to establish a web governance board that has helped uh, sort of create uh, clarity from the chaos around their content. And it's just a really powerful story about that. So, so now we have like, you know, content strategy, we have a kind of definition of it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, issues with the politics and the development of content. And, you know, there's content itself is broad, but it could also be very fixed, uh, depending on the context. Um, and you also have to worry about deliverables of the content. Uh, you know, this. You know, when I'm trying to grasp my head around this, because I'm been on the web for a long time, and and it just, I grew out. You know, from from one person doing everything to to now where I have very specialized uh, roles. Uh, it just seems like this is almost like a content strategist is almost a the role of a web project or project manager. Would that be a good analogy? Or you know. I think that the content strategist does some of that in that they facilitate, right? I would not suggest that I, – I don't think the content strategist is the person to be doing traffic, for example. Um, I don't think that, that they are going to sort of coordinate um, all of the activities and deliverables and things like that. What I do think, though, is that the content strategist has a real opportunity, similar to a project manager, to engage people cross-silo, right, and cross-discipline. So a project manager might be in touch with the UX team, the tech team, the subject matter experts, um, you know, all these different folks, the primary stakeholders, et cetera. And the content strategist needs to be there, too. Like the content strategist has got to be involved with anything and everything that is going to be touching this content. And, you know, I think that that is something that has burned us in our project process is that we think of content as like a deliverable and only a deliverable. And so we pull in the writer or the photographer or the image licensing folks later when the deliverable we think is due, right? 
But in reality, the content strategist is someone who is gathering all this information that we have treated as disparate information and pulling it together and synthesizing it in a way early in the process that they can then make recommendations and plan for uh, better content creation, production, uh, publication or delivery, how it can be reused in the future and how it's going to be taken care of over time. And so in that sense, I think that there are some similarities, but I would really define them as differently as, as one might define a UX designer or strategist from a project manager. Right. Did, did that answer, did that answer your question? Um, yeah, it just seems like they're, um, same, but different. (laughs) Well, tell me, well, but talk to me more to it. I mean, Yeah. Talk to me, talk to me about how, I mean, I'm interested just to give me a little bit more context. How do, where do you see the similarities? Um, I just, I see that they're, they're, um, um, I just see like a a project manager or web project manager is, um, and I could be totally wrong too. So I don't know, but, uh, is that, uh, they're in charge of the brand, uh, in charge of the deliverables, charge of the message, making sure it gets, it gets uh, delivered there. Um, uh, but I see content strategists maybe uh, more focused and making sure that that message and that content gets delivered, and that could be a sweeping generalization. I'm not really sure. So, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I see that they they work in parallel a lot of times. Oh, and, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, I, I like the idea of you know a project manager and a content strategist mm-hmm. working, you know, in the various aspects of. Of it because you know content uh, to just to keep that all in your head for a project manager and uh, um, as well as w- all the things that they have to deal with as well as on top of you know dealing with the content I think it's it would be great to have someone who is just focused and dedicated to the content uh, strategy portion of it um, because it's 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 very easy for them to get clouded uh, even with the best intentions with which I think a lot of websites are that way so uh, but uh, yeah so it's you know that's kind of where um, so really it was kind of. Yeah, uh, I think by your, that, by your answer with that. So. Yeah, I think the way that you are describing a project manager is not like the project managers that I've worked with. I mean, to me, what you're describing is more of like a producer or um, the project lead. Um, but yeah, sure. I think that I think that that person, you're, there are way too many details and way too much upfront analysis. I mean, it's really, I I always, when I teach a content strategy workshop, if I have eight hours, six and a half of those hours are spent on audit analysis and uh, definition, like strategy, setting strategy goals. I mean, you know, setting a strategic direction and then uh, making high level recommendations about how that's going to happen. The actual implementation piece of it is like, I spend an hour on that because that's not that that's not where content strategy happens per se. Right. The content strategy can help facilitate that, mm. um, but all of that other stuff, the content strategy, that's where the buck stops for content. And I have, that has never ever, in my experience, been a project leader or a project manager, any right. more than the buck would stop with those people for, um, y- you know, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to compare deliverables, but yeah. So that's yeah. where I differentiate it. Yeah. Yeah, it just it just seems like, um, and also with the governance issue, I think that just um, I'm not sure how uh, granular you want to be with it, but you know, it just if you have the right project manager, uh, you know, I think I was you know I was talking to Ari is just like you you want to have a project manager who's you know uh, the, the description of project manager uh, 
all the skill sets involved. Uh, the ones that they don't put on the uh, you know the job description is deal with our political m- minefield. <laughs> you know they all not say please uh, make sure everyone is uh, ego is massaged and they're okay with what you're doing, which is really new and probably uh, abhorrent to our our likes and just, uh, our tastes. So, um, but we realize that it needs to get done. So we're so a project manager could come in and um, deal with that governance issue with you know especially with higher ed and um, try to make sure that and you know make sure everything you know is possible and make sure people can actually like the content strategists and the designers and the, the coders and the programmers can actually uh, feel empowered to do mm-hmm. their job. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I definitely feel like that. Excellent. So. Excellent. No, I just have been, you know, we obviously we talked about this before too. And I just, you know, for the teams that I've been on, you know, regardless of, you know, what the discipline was, it seems like everyone who is an empowered member of a team is, a manager on some level. And so, um, you know, they're very much uh, in charge of what they're doing, whether they're, you know, regardless of how many um, others um, they affect through what they're trying to do as a member of the team. So, yeah. So we were talking a little bit more um, also about um, all of these approaches when you're looking at governance and, and, um, and that sort of a thing. And so I was wondering how your approach changes when you are um, coming into a company versus working with uh, working from within. And so I wonder about how um, um, imp- uh, creating a content strategy differs when you're an in-house team versus like just coming in and uh, working from the outside as a contractor. Well, I mean, I think that the answer to that is probably similar to what it would be for a visual designer or a UX strategist or, you know, the director of customer experience. I mean, when you're being brought in as a consultant, there is sort of a specific business problem that it, that we're being asked to solve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and some people want just the audit and analysis piece. Some people want the full 360 on through implementation and ongoing training. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you're working in-house, things, are, things don't typically come to you. You know, there's rarely a beginning and an end to things. It's sort of things overlap and um, deliverables and projects and um, shifts in strategy. You know, those things don't happen sequentially. They sort of happen cyclically and overlapping each other. And so there's a different level of relationship and involvements that you need to have um, and a different level of uh, knowledge, I think, that you need to have with your product or service than than any kind of outside consultant is necessarily going to be able to um, uh, uh, sort of live up to within a short period of time. I mean, it's like if you're an established, committed person within an organization, a consultant is always going to be an outsider, right? Unless they, I mean, mm-hmm. even even if they're embedded for a long period of time. I think that one of the, I mean, this is, you know, to be perfectly candid, people pulling consultants for one of a very finite, you know, number of reasons, one of which is they simply don't have the in-house capacity to do it, whether if it's from like, a resource, you know, just purely time perspective, skill sets, et cetera, or they're pulling in a consultant because they have stuff that they need to get done that for one reason or another from a 
political standpoint or from a priority standpoint is simply not happening. I think the third part is that people will say the same thing over and over and over again and no one will listen to them. But then you bring in a consultant (laughs) who sort of, you know, is like the fancy person who can say that thing in a different way with more charts and graphs. I'm not suggesting that this is us, but that they will, you know, that they will, they become the expert And I do say that to some of my clients who want to bring me in to do like the expert song and dance, you know, use me as your weapon. Like, let's, let's figure out what you want to accomplish here. And then I will come in and do the consulting and the facilitation of discussion so we can get you closer to it. Right. Right. Well, among the the companies and organizations that you work with that you feel like they get it um, and uh, that they're successful in creating and implementing their common and their, their content strategy. What are the commonalities that you see in those organizations? And yeah. Companies? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I think that there are a couple of things, one of which is that we actually write about this. Melissa Rock wrote a great blog post about this. Um, and we wrote about it a bit in the book too. Part of it is organizations who have some sort of process or the personality, the culture of the organization is where people can actually reach alignment. Like that is a really key thing. And oftentimes we we can tell even in the uh, proposal process whether or not that organization is going to be uh, is going to have a successful experience and be able to successfully uh, launch and implement and care for a content strategy, or if it's just going to be a constant upward uphill battle. Um, and so that I think is a big, big piece of it. Like how collaborative are these teams and how good are they at getting aligned on whether it's point of view or strategic direction or what resources are required, et cetera. So that's a big part of it. I think another thing is that leadership has got to value content as a critical component of their brand, of their service, of their relationship to their uh, customers and prospects and and folks, or if you're a nonprofit, your donors and the people you serve, et cetera, education, your students, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those people have got to understand that content is a really critical component to good relationship and a successful relationship with those folks. You know, just the same thing that user experience designers have been saying for 10 years. If you provide a good experience for your users, it's going to have a positive impact on your company's bottom line. The thing is that you can't design a good user experience when you're dealing with bad content. And so, you know, leadership has got to understand that. They have to understand that content is a complex beast and that it requires uh, dedicated resources to create and care for and be willing to make that investment. Because if you, you know, the organizations where we get pulled in by middle management and they're like, oh, I have to present several layers up, you know, because I know content is important, but these people are going to take some convincing. Those projects almost never get off the ground. Right, right. And speaking of things that never get off the ground, um, I was, uh, uh, Intrigued by something you said in uh, in another interview about content management systems, and I have to say that I was that person in the early two thousands that really thought that when we implemented a content management system in our office, that it was somehow magically going to take care of so many of the content problems that we were having. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that a lot of people have. I hope a lot of people have let go of that notion. But I'm no. curious about no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And now the crying part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the gnashing of teeth. 
Um, but I wonder about what other, you know, smoke and mirrors or other um, uh, follies that maybe people are convincing themselves now, or what is maybe the trendy folly that people have that, uh, you know, like by doing X, Y, or Z, we are taking care of our content. Well, oh, I, I love the word folly. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> um, I, the CMS thing is still a huge thing. Well, if we can just improve our backend technology, that's going to help. If we can, I mean, we had, you know, we've, I've heard of people who are, you know, they're like, if we can just do an audit of our content and then reorganize it, that's going to help, you know, or, um, the the redesign let's just redesign our site you know that's gonna and we'll reorganize some stuff on the front end and that'll help or we need to rewrite our site and that will help or let's focus on user generated content because maybe our users will just make the content for us i mean you know i think that the folly is we can undergo a standalone effort related to our website or our mobile app or our intranet or our CMS and that that's going to fix things. And it's not like, I, I mean, content is complicated. It is, it, it is touched by, you know, it's not just a product. It's the people who are creating and caring for that product. And in fact, I would suggest, I mean, we kind of agree around here that most often the problem with your content is the people component, you know, and that it's just the wild west. And so, None of that is going to fix it. I mean, the folly is thinking that you can tackle one piece of the puzzle and that everything is going to be better. Now, you can make parts of it better, you know, like you can redo a website and be super thrilled with the content and the structure and launch it and throw a party. But like three months later, it's going to suck again because you don't have any kind of governance. And so, you know, but at the same time, it's a huge undertaking and that requires really, I mean, that backs into the very organizational design of our companies. And so it's a larger undertaking that is going to require, you know, smaller proof points along the way. And, and so I think just the, the perspective that like any of these one things is going to save the day is not true. Like it's just going to take a lot of facilitation and coordination and digging and, facing up to maybe what are some hard truths to get things on track. And no, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, this is why, that. this is why I have lots of jokes in my presentation. Yeah. Right? That's right. You got to try to keep it light somehow. Right. Right. Oh, well, okay. I totally, yeah. People are always totally depressed. I mean, I, some people like want to just <laughs> weep during my presentations and then I'm like, Hey, bunnies. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're pushing the rock up the hill, you know, visit the people in the trenches. And I have so, you know, I used to be that person and then, you know, for some tasks, I still am that person. Yep. And so yep. I think yep. we all have a lot of empathy for each other. And oh so, yeah, you know, for sure. Important. That's, that's actually part of what was so great about launching Confab, our content strategy conference is that it was like one big group content therapy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Well, bearing that in mind, do you have a quick win? Like what is a person, something that uh, someone can go out and do right now if they're interested in well, content strategy? Well, aside from buying the second edition of content strategy. Right. Yeah. There's the, there's the one quick win. Right. Yeah. Right. right exactly. <laughs> go, buy a copy of, go buy a copy of my book. That will be an immediate quick win. And Actually, second, I, go ahead. Right. Yeah. So the second one is also to realize it's, it's not a one day fix. It's going to be a lifetime. Right. But, but to get started though, what was that quick win? 
Like, well, yeah. what, like arts mission, like well, what, what, would, what would that way to get started? Yeah. Well, I think that something that I say all the time that is an easy, is a really, really great way to demonstrate how screwed up things are or to begin to build a business case. You got to start getting your arms around what you have. Um, and so doing some kind of a content audit where you're actually going in and recording um, what you have, where it lives, whether or not somebody owns it, the last time it was updated, um, even doing a little bit of qualitative analysis, you know, is it still relevant? Um uh, how, like, is it readable? How inconsistent is our voice and tone? Like being able to, uh, sort of record those things and really bring them in and clearly demonstrate them to stakeholders is a huge way to kind of get people's attention. And if you can do that too, and identify some sort of quick wins, um, that, that might help as well. That, that's the first thing. I mean, I will say, uh, I will say too, that that M- Melissa and I wrote this book. I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp the book for just a second. Melissa and I wrote <laughs> this book in a very. I mean, it's under 200 pages. We wrote it in a very plain English, straightforward, conversational way. Um, it's purposely, you know, organized in a way that people can get their brains wrapped around it. And quickly, there, you know, it starts off with like one chapter that's just like if you don't read any other chapters, read this first because there are five things that you can do starting now to like start to fix your content. And so that actually has been a pretty good weapon for people to use internally. So that, and if nothing else, that will help identify some more of those quick wins. Great. Great. And if you buy the book, I will make 25 cents. (laughs) Yay. It's a small quick win for you as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Right. Well, um, I think that's about all of the questions we have, except for no. the big one that Christopher asks at the end of each show. Yeah, we usually have like a, a question. Um, what are you most excited and passionate about the web right now? Like, what do you see? As you didn't tell your- me you were going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'll dodge a question. Right, yeah, exactly. Did I mention my theater major? <laughs> <laughs> Well, remember, the first answer is usually the best one. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, frankly, what am I most excited about? I am most excited about the incredible focus on content that I am seeing at every single Mm -hmm. conference and every single publication, um, every single, you know, interview or whatever that I have. Like, people are really starting to go, oh, we need to take this seriously. Uh, Because ultimately, and tied to that, is you know with the introduction of responsive design which is going to make us make it easier for us to sort of design across devices and platforms and channels what are we going to do with our content how can we begin to create content and prioritize it and structure it on the front end so that it can be future friendly so that it can be adaptive um, mm-hmm. And so all of these really cool, and who's going to do that? And what is that going to look like? And so there are all of these really cool conversations coming together around, you know, what is it going to take for us to get this content to the right people in the right place at the right time so that we can like create stellar user experiences for them no matter where they are. And that is what I'm super excited about. And you know, that's a really great conversation. It's really terrific to have. But at the same time, 
lots and lots and lots. In fact, most of organizations still haven't figured out their damn website, right? Like they're still mucking around in 1.0. And so, but they're starting to pay attention. And so on a personal level, I'm really excited about that because they're more and more receptive to the message that I will sort of continue to um, push, which is simply that content matters and it's complicated and you have to start considering it from a strategic standpoint or you're going to lose. Right. Yeah, that's that's one thing I, I love about content strategy is that it's actually bringing the, the discussion about the content and the the goal. Like, what are we doing with the, the visitor to the website? You know, w- what do we do once they're there? And um, I think a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of websites out there that be like, well, we're not really doing anything. We're just kind of like you know, just showing around, and we're like not we're wasting everyone's time. We're and so, but see, yeah, they don't, just, they don't, yeah, but they don't know that, or they don't think that right. until you. I mean, this, you know, people call us for, and they're like, oh, we need to do an audit here. We need to re restructure this right. here. We, you know, and the first question we ask is, well, what business problem are you trying to solve? And it's just like <laughs> it shuts them down, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? And we're just like, well, then what's the point? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that, that's like that's. Well, that's why I like. Like, we actually shut them down. We're like, oh, what is our business problem that we're having? And like, yep. and yep. trying to get that that question that should have been asked. Yeah, only how long ago? From this, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Only good. Right. yeah. So that's why I love about. <laughs> and then like, we this. never hear from them again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love. I never hear from those guys again. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah. Oh, it's been great. Um, I think that kind of wraps it up. But uh, where can people find you uh, online and on Twitter and the websites and everything? Yeah, I we recently launched a one-page website for brain traffic. It's just a little experiment that we're doing. <laughs> so you can go see what we're all about at braintraffic.com. Uh, you can find out more about uh, our book, Content Strategy for the Web, which I wanted to call Content Strategy for All, <coughs> but we couldn't change the title, uh, at contentstrategy.com. And I am on Twitter at Halverson, H-A-L-V-O-R-S-O-N. Be warned that on Twitter I am my own best audience and may uh, (laughs) share jokes that mostly just crack me up. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the the show and thank you for Ari. Oh, thank you for having me. And I'm so glad to get to talk to you, Christina. I love that. I also love that this conversation is coming more to the fore. I think it's only going to help everyone yeah i agree and you guys really did ask great questions so thanks this was a pleasure our thanks to christina halverson for joining us on non-breaking space you can check out the show notes for this episode at nonbreakingspace.tv, where we'll have all the links discussed in this episode we're also in the itunes podcast listing and we'd really appreciate if you subscribed and left a rating or review it helps us spread the word about non-breaking space be sure to watch for the next episode of Non-Breaking Space, where you'll be able to hear Aaron Walter say, And if I, if I could wipe one word from any design conversation, it would be the word pretty. I just, that drives me bonkers because yeah. it, it implies that it's trivial. 